On episode 159, I'm joined by Jane Finette. Jane is an author, a leadership expert, and the founder and executive director of the Coaching Fellowship, which coaches young women leaders in social change. Formerly a big tech executive, Jane has dedicated her life to achieving equality for women by empowering them to make a global impact. She is the author of Unlocked, How Empowered Women Empower Women. Jane and I have a great conversation. For links to the Coaching Fellowship and her book, check out the show notes. And here we go for episode 159 with Jane Finette. Enjoy, my friends. 81 cent for every dollar. Uh, a man earns that is what a woman is earning uh, which means um, again US data but two-thirds of women have the potential of retiring into poverty. Jane welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast how are you? Hello Ryan I'm doing great thank you it's so wonderful to be here thank you very much for having me as your guest. It's great to see you and I, and I can see your book over your uh, over your shoulder. I know my shameless plugging over there. <laughs> I'm not going to dive into that straight away I no, want no. to know a little bit about 15 year old Jane and you know the having the <laughs> heart of this activist tell us take us back to where it all begins. Oh, uh, thank you for starting there. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, well, as we were just saying, I mean, uh, we're both Brits. And so we're both very familiar with the uh, the UK's uh, school uniform, mm -hmm. um, which I think is still pretty prevalent. I've been out of the UK for many years, but uh, I think it's still a thing. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I was um, just enraged with the injustice of um, girls not being able to wear trousers. I mean, I'm kind of old. By this point, I'm getting older every day, of course. But um, it wasn't that long ago, uh, really, that girls were not able to wear trousers at school. It was insane. So um, yeah, one crazy, crazy winter time, we just had enough. And I was chair of a student council and just rallied a group of girlfriends to come and lobby the the, uh, the Board of Governors, you know, as it, it, it was, um, to make a change. And it was kind of extraordinary, actually, because it happened very quickly and very easily. And what I think I learned there was, you know, sometimes we think things are actually incredibly difficult to make a change. And yet, when we point out the injustice and we bring awareness, things can change. And it happened really quickly. And I was so shocked. And we were all delighted and very warm. <laughs> thereafter wearing trousers to school um but you know that was it was kind of crazy to think that this just hadn't happened before mm. because no one had no one had pointed the finger and said this is wrong um and then people were like oh yes of course it's wrong and of course you know um so we were able to make a change and I think that's such a lesson for today still which is when we can bring that awareness and we can bring it into consciousness then actually you know things aren't that difficult to change it's just do we have the will and do we have the knowledge and intention to mm. to do it yeah mm. yeah it was like, a bit of a rebel I think yeah, right? I like <laughs> yeah and, 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 I, and I like to think about energy and and I and I like to think about putting all our energy into not fighting the way things are but fighting for the way that things could be and uh, putting energy into the future how do you see that is yeah. it do you stand against stuff or do you stand for stuff well, I'm always about building, you know, building the future that we want to see, right? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we all, every single day we have choices about where we put our energy and our time. Yeah. And I know, like, we have some pretty 
you know, catastrophic things that we're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, as a humanity, whether it's the climate crisis or racial injustice or, you know, clearly the global pandemic, which continues to shape shift and uh, it's going to be with us for a while. And yet um, uh, it doesn't serve us to be um, uh, coming from a place of scarcity and coming from Mm -hmm. a place of fear, because that's the world we end up creating. Um, so I'm all about putting, you know, building toward the future we want to see, even if it's not the place that we get to inhabit right, mm. right now. Hey, my friends, thank you for watching so far. If you're enjoying what you're watching, please do subscribe to our channel and considering sharing this with someone that you love. I also wanted to let you know we've got some incredible merchandise available. We've got tees, we've got hoodies, we've got trucker caps. And our beanies are really popular at the moment for a great way to show that you're part of this community and that we are always better than yesterday. Head to our website. You can check it out in the show notes. And let's get back to the interview. Before I jump too far into the now, into the present, I know that you've held some really prominent leadership positions within eBay and Mozilla and Sotheby's. Um, and, and I like the way that you describe your role as building and empowering global communities. And and, and this, this is one phrase that I've seen that I really, really love that gets me excited is the intersection of community building and human potential. Yeah. What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> wow, it's a lot of words, isn't it, really? I'm like, gosh, <laughs> you know, I'm always this person that's supposed to be striving not to uh, play <laughs> the BS uh, bingo. Um, but um, <laughs> The, um, you know, what uh, in particular, when I think I was, uh, I particularly witnessed this at eBay, uh, but it wasn't conscious and it wasn't sort of something which I could then direct and uh, accelerate until I was at Mozilla, where as a Mozilla are the folks behind the Firefox web browser. And when I joined Mozilla, I was employee 103, or at that point we had about 100 million Firefox users with 103 employees. But you know, the, pretty much the apart from Linux, we um, the world's largest open source uh, community for a consumer product, and so we had tens of thousands of volunteers, whether they were building and localizing Firefox or supporting it or marketing it. Um, and this was the first time I had really uh, encountered, uh, you know, the the power of a community in the business sense, mm-hmm. um, and that what we were doing. Uh, was taking decentralized systems and giving people the power and influence at the edges of the system. So this wasn't about leadership. That wasn't about a hierarchical system. Mm-hmm. For sure, there were checks and balances. You know, if you got to run the security unit about, you know, uh, in the software, then we need to know you and trust you over a period of time. There were gatekeepers, so to speak. But mostly, this was about. Um, uh, creating communities and empowering communities to to do their best work, and you know, I'm sure, Ryan, you know this too. When you give people the opportunity and the freedom to create and manifest, they mm. will surprise you again and again. And this is what happened within Mozilla. I mean, we only built Firefox in English, and it was in 95 different language versions when I left ten years later. Mm. All done by volunteers in those countries. Um, at my the biggest point of my career, I was responsible for all of the Firefox user base uh, in, mm-hmm. in sort of engagement and retention. 500 million Firefox users with about, I think we had about 800 employees then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but this was the power of 
community coming together around a, uh, a shared mission and vision, but also that ability for people to contribute and mm -hmm. bring their full selves and their potential into, into the work that they were, you know, so jazzed to, to do and volunteer all those hours for. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. There's, there's a piece of research that makes me smile is that those um, people that go away from the new normal internet explorer safaris and they go out of their way to go and get a, a, a third party browser in terms of um, Mozilla, they're more likely to be innovative, they're more likely to be entrepreneurial. It was, yeah. Would you resonate yeah. with that? Um, well, I think it's about, we used to call folks that chose Firefox conscious choosers. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was yep. your marketing behind the scenes kind of yep. speak. And so, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of not fair really to say uh, this is like the people who aren't choosing, sorry, the people who are still on Internet Explorer or something like this aren't choosing because not everyone mm -hmm. is so web savvy and all these things, but rather, and those that are will tend to make a different choice if they know they know more about it. And, uh, and Mozilla was, you know, uh, still is, I should say, um, a nonprofit organization. Yeah. So their their mission is to make sure the internet is um, a public, a public accessible resource yeah mm. for open accessible to all so not owned by any government or company mm. or mm. uh individual um we got some work to do i reckon on that front but <laughs> we're uh, mm -hmm. um i am um, not the biggest fan of facebook but um you yeah. know tying up systems and stuff anyway i know we're talking technology and that's my no, that all is good. my, my no, passion in another life yeah i needed people just to hear a little bit of your background and the great work that you've done how did you get into coaching it was Mozilla, back to Mozilla, but um, I had the incredible opportunity to get access to leadership development and coaching. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the kind of the side story is, you know, um, I, I was in there uh, in the executive team and then suddenly all these things became available to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I had no, I'd never even heard of executive coaching. It wasn't that long ago, like 12, 13 years ago. Um, and it cracked my world open, Ryan. And I I was like, whoa, like, oh my gosh. I, I had made some decisions in my career which where I was choosing on purpose, but they weren't so conscious. They were, I wasn't so aware. Um, and that uh, I was really able to see things about myself, which I intuitively kind of knew, but it wasn't, it wasn't clear. And I wasn't making, you know, purposeful decisions based on my values and what I'm innately good at and all these things and understanding what was holding me back and all these kinds of things. And when that became unearthed to me through the, this gift of coaching, um, wow, like, yeah, like I could understand how to find the congruence of choice and where I was going to put my heart and my input and my, yeah, my, yeah. my time, of course, and energy. Um, and what came to me was, and this is how I ended up starting a coaching fellowship was that uh, I wished I'd had this when I was starting mm -hmm. out when I was mm -hmm. 25 years old, because I did make some pretty good choices, but I also made some pretty rubbish choices oh, as well. Yeah. And yeah. when you look at my resume, I definitely like I'm six different people. Um, and, <laughs> um, you know, was very unsure. And I, you know, obviously some of this comes with age too, when you just know yourself and you've done a bunch of things and you're like, not that anymore, or, uh, that was never that um but I do think that I'd have made 
I'd have done things differently. And so when I founded the Coaching Fellowship, which is my um, the nonprofit I founded, um, it's all about helping young women leaders, particularly in the social change yeah. space, get access to this gift of coaching and leadership development. Because the younger you are, mm. when you get access to more of yourself, I do believe that your impact can be greater. And then particularly in this field, yeah. we stop women burning out because they're yeah. they're giving and giving and giving to the point that they just have to check out because mm. their bodies will, will, you know, force them to. Yeah. I, I love the uh, phrase that you use is that when you help a, a woman rise, we all rise. And it's very similar to what we say here at Always Bitten Yesterday is uh, we rise by lifting others. And where does your heart for helping women come from? Um, well, I think, you know, it's for my heart is for helping every living thing actually reach its full, yeah. full potential. So mm -hmm. men, women, plants, I'm a big plant person, mm -hmm. um, animals. Mm -hmm. Uh, my weak spot um, but I you know the thing that really uh, is hard I think as a woman is that we're still working on every single front to find equality and choice yeah. and on the surface it seems oh you know things are great for women and so on but when you really start to dig into the numbers um, um, you know here in America it's some U.S. data 81 cent on the dollar women are earning for um for sorry 81 cent for every dollar uh, a man earns that is what a woman is earning uh, which means um again u.s data but two-thirds of women have the potential of retiring into poverty um because mm. which you know that just stacks up over time and yeah. um oh you look at the number of girls that didn't get to go to school today around the world 32 million girls didn't go to school not because they didn't want to but because sure. they weren't allowed or because mm. of the threats of sexual violence you know and it's just number after number after number and you can get really low and really depressed about it all and yet ryan you know coming back to where we started our conversation mm like we can't be victims in that we have to we have to keep building to a more positive future um and i i do believe that when you help a woman you are helping many more people because the woman will help everyone around to rise so you get that um multiplication mm. uh effect yeah i'm a big fan of um dr bruce lipton and uh, in his work that i've just listened to he says that the future of leadership is mammalian uh, as in mammals by nature um, and and no one understands this better than than females that nature of uh, of of nurturing of caring um of being good custodians and um it's really powerful you know and I, to be cliche saying the future is female there's certainly the the future is heart-centered and i think few know that as 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 well as women and I guess the, the conversation I want to open up is, is obviously about your book and how we can inspire both two types of women. One, the woman who can help another, mm -hmm. and then the other is inspire the woman who might uh, want a little bit of help. But secondly, or th three, <laughs> is, is the men, is the men listening, how we can be good allies, good supporters, um, uh, because... Ultimately, we are, uh, I don't want to say the word we, men are predominantly creating cultures within their organization. And that will either see women rise or in, in instances where I've seen you create a, a almost queen bee syndrome 
where the woman has had to adapt to fit into a competitive hierarchical culture um and and uh it kind of changes the nature of who people are when they go to the workplace so let's start with let's start with the book what's it called and who is it for Thank you. Um, so um, my book is called, it's my first book, and my first time author. Um, it's called Unlocked, How Empowered Women Empower Women. Mm-hmm. And I did write it for women. I, I, um, I was um, incredibly despondent, as I was just saying about all those statistics, which got yeah. uh, infinitely worse during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So this was um, 18 months ago when I first started writing. Um, and yet here I am running a women's organization, empowering women. I'm like, whoa, gosh, if I am this down and this depressed and this stuck, mm-hmm. how is everyone else feeling? You know, women checking out of the workplace, women losing their their jobs on masks because they tend to be in the consumer service industry, which was hit, of course, massively yeah. um, by the pandemic and so on. Um, so um, I wrote it for women so that they, you know, the the book is all about telling inspiring stories, but it's mm-hmm. also about practical, easy advice, steps that we can take every day to help a sister. Because after helping so many women through the coaching fellowship, mm-hmm. what I had seen was that it, it actually, you know, the things which made a massive difference in people's lives and women's lives, it, it wasn't necessarily the introduction to Bill Gates or the million dollars they raised. You know, of course, they needed all those things too. Um, but it was rather the stories that they tell me were uh, about another woman that had helped them with a bit of advice or they had been seen by someone recognized like you're doing important work you are important and that it was that um, almost a reflection that someone had given them that they were capable that they were more than enough um, that make the shift for them. And I was mm. like, wow, but we can all do that. We can, we all have the power yeah. to do a version of that. Um, I mean, you asked about the audience and I were going to talk about gentlemen as well. Yeah. One of the biggest surprises, Ryan, for my book was how many men uh, bought the book, have bought the mm. book, have mm. read the book, have told me about what they read. Um, the first gentleman that, um, the first person that shared my book on social media and left me a review was a former male work colleague. Mm. And I was shocked. I was so shocked. And um, I said, you know, I did not expect men to read the book. And I'm so honored that they are because what it is um, shedding light on is so many of these different areas that women are, are struggling with. And, you know, maybe they've men have heard of the gender pay gap, but they don't know about first time uh, women as first time managers struggling to get a foothold or they, mm. they don't know about, um, you know, how difficult it is for women to retire or, you know, yeah. these things. Um, so it was, it's kind of an unearthing of all of the various different things that we're, we're struggling yeah. with. The, the one thing I encountered time after time after time in my time in the police here in the UK was that you'd have an opportunity for a promotion and uh, a, a very able female, say with eight out of the 10 requirements, would doubt herself because she hasn't got the two. 
a, a male counterpart might have just four of those 10 and he's like, I'm going for it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just something, you know, I might be yeah. oversimplifying things. But, no, um, no, you're not. It's, it's actually, it's research, which is now, gosh, I think it's like 15 years old, right? And I do reference it in the book. It was a study that was done at Hewlett Packard mm. where they noticed this also happening. Mm. And it became this kind of like infamous study. Um, uh, some of the unpacking of that was, you know, people thought that it was women who are, you know, we're not confident enough. We don't believe in our abilities enough. And for sure, there's some of that that comes into it. You know, uh, where they landed with some of that research was uh, that women are so good at following the rules that they just followed the rule. They're like, well, the rule is this is the job spec and it says you should do all these things and we can't do some of them. So we're like, okay, well, that's not for me. It wasn't a confidence like, oh, I'm not good enough, but mm. rather I just don't have it, you know? And yet when they, when women do apply for jobs, which are, you know, uh, maybe there is a little bit of like, well, I don't have everything there. They will get hired way more than guys and be much more successful. Um, so I, and some of this is, is uh, and I speak a lot um, with women, particularly about how they can influence the young girls in their mm-hmm. lives you know their children their daughters and um and we do we want our girls to follow rules right but still that i hate to say it too is so gendered and stereotypical but we yeah like that uh, girls should be quiet and studious and um you know genteel and it's okay have, that yeah. boys are rambunctious and break the rules <laughs> and well at home <laughs> That's my daughter. Yeah, do you have and I, girls? I have, oh, yeah. I, I have a, an, I have a, a nine-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter. And oh, my man. my daughter is the free spirit. And I oh, have to man. remind myself every time not to kick that out of her, not to downplay that, because I, I have to trust that that's going to serve her well as a free-spirited, strong-willed. <laughs> but it's, it's really yeah. interesting. I mean, I've always been around uh, women in, in uh, work settings, the, uh, the majority of my uh, leadership development group are, are women. Um, uh, so I, I, I have a heart for helping and nurturing the talent within women. I love nothing more than being that transfer of belief for them. And I don't know where that comes from. I, I mean, I had a single parent mum, worked several jobs, raised, you know, th- and I, she's my hero sort of like, so maybe there's a soft spot I have there, but maybe there are a group of men listening that, um, that have an empathy and a heart for the development of women, but maybe don't understand necessarily how. And I know that in your book, you talk about the three barriers to equality in terms of broken rung. You talk about mm. money. And I think you talk mm. about network. We'll come to mm. network second, but how can male leaders in the workplace help with this broken rung? Yeah. Um, oh, thank you so much for giving voice to this. And I, I think it is, it's hard to know where, to start and it's been it's been complicated as well I think for men over the last 10 years as well it's just the kind of various different women's movements women uh, men I think can get a little bit stuck like oh I don't you know I want to help and I dare not mm. help and I don't know how to help and it's it feels like it's a, a hot potato of a thing sure. actually yeah. but and I think we are moving beyond that one one of the things and you mentioned the broken rung and I I am I do get on my high horse about it but I'm <laughs> incredibly passionate about about us um, uh, really taking our younger women into uh, into our uh, um, 
raise, raising them up. I'm just yeah. missing a word there. Uh, but <laughs> under our wing, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and they, uh, because they aren't given the opportunities that our young men are. And so, and then we wonder why, you know, we turn sort of 15, 20 years down the line and we're like, where are all the women CEOs and the mm. VPs? And we're like, well, you know, for every 100 women, only 71, uh, um, sorry, only 81 white women uh, 70 something for uh, Latino and 58 black women are actually promoted uh, into that first managerial role. So I hear men tell me uh, very often, oh, women and young women, they need mentors, you know, and honestly, we do need mentors, but we have mentors coming out of our ears. What we really need are sponsors. We need people that is both men and women, but particularly for men, because they tend to hold more of the positions of power and influence in the org that would see a woman and advocate for her to get promoted, advocate for her to do a project, which, you know, uh, she hasn't done before and so yeah. on. So actually, and that, of course, it takes a lot of um, uh, a lot of commitment and you yourself are going to become more visible by sponsoring that woman. But really, this is the um this is the only way we're going to get more women into those positions is when men advocate for them to take yep. it you know? yep let that be a challenge to us all um you talk about uh, the power of a network and i know that you talk about virtuous yeah. circles what's a virtuous circle oh uh, people like you know a good thing creating a good thing that creates more good things you know i mean that's um, uh, it, it's a flywheel. And I talk about it, particularly in the sense of women doing this, mm -hmm. but women will create these natural kind of virtuous mm -hmm. circles. And we know how to do that, as you were saying, like just heart forward, just generally, you know, giving more than we, than we take and that in itself, empowering someone else who is going to give and so on and so forth. So I just, I'm curious, I really want to get that flywheel turning faster and faster uh, because I think that's how we'll get to global change uh, if you'll indulge me in my idealism. Um, the, um, the network piece, and again, this is something where gentlemen can help. Um, so women are, as we know, are we build relationships. We're amazing connectors. We're hard forward connectors. Um, but when it comes to networking, in air quotes, um, we start checking out in the droves. You know, what, there's research that says it makes us feel dirty and it just feels so, oh, you know, it's like worse than doing your taxes, right? And, um, uh, and I think it, it, it's because, or it is because it feels very transactional. Yeah. And that women are, are kind of like, well, this is not how I built relationships and so when it comes to advancing our careers um we'll been very strong networks within our organization so you probably see this uh, many times inside orgs women have very strong uh teams and uh and allies um within their companies but when they leave they'll take some of those connections with them but they aren't generally useful into their next role so they'll have to start again um and men uh are um you know there's a lot of what they call homophily which is where they yeah. um you know and this is for men and women too but it's kind yeah. of like we tend to stick to people who look like us and sound yep. like us and talk like us and because there are more men in the 
in those positions again of power and influence then you know they, we look like each other so we're going to spend yeah. more time with each other yeah. there are more things we'll go on the golf course i mean it's cliched but there'll be we'll go out drinking on a friday night after work together and so um and more situational are, blindness yeah absolutely right more blind spots because yeah. they're yeah. all got the same blind spots at that and yeah that's not healthy for business it's not healthy for life and um yep. to to have the the full uh uh spectrum of opportunity ahead of us mm. um so that is something that men can do um which is instill the importance of network building mm. in women and for them to do it in a way which is right for them mm. um uh, and that we uh we will open that door we'll say you should speak to this awesome person and and then encourage them to also ask that person who else should i be speaking to mm. and i would say i mean this is true for everyone but we should be meeting one new person every week mm. for a 30 minute zoom call you know yeah. or a cup of coffee somewhere um that is 50 people in a year let's say mm. you know uh, that's 50 new fantastic things you'd have learned opportunities wow down the line you know just keeping you fresh meeting another awesome human being mm -hmm. but we don't make time for it and yet these weak sort of ties these um uh potentials for um chance meetings and so on it's uh we have to manifest that we actually have to yeah. create those opportunities well there's another challenge set to our listeners is to go and connect with good people uh, it's something that's been life-giving for me it's one of the very reasons i do this podcast and i get to have an yeah. excuse to bring people to get to have these conversations and uh, I get to have fun at the same time. You've been interviewed several times about your book many, many times. What is the one question you've not been asked that you wish people would ask you about um, your book? Yeah, um, you know, I, it's a bit of a cheat because um, I was asked it in, a, uh, in my author circle. So there's a bunch of women who read the book for me um and i call them my uh they were my author circle community my heroines and um mm -hmm. they asked me this question but i've never been asked it publicly mm -hmm. um which is um what did i learn about myself mm. in writing this book as a woman mm. and uh <laughs> presumably you'd like and how would you answer that one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um you know uh and because i sorry better start um so one of the one of the keys in the book is um, be the example, and mm. you know we we know about role models and we know all these things since forever. Mm. Um, the the sort of the the take I the spin I put on it is to be really real and be really authentic uh, as a woman leader because, you know, like you you rattled off my career. It sounds amazing, right? I look back and like, whoo, who was that woman? You know, mm. and yet Ryan. Um, you know, I would say that what I learned about this book is that um, for myself is that I I have a voice mm. and I don't believe that I really believed that until I started writing this book mm. and that I do have things to say. Mm. And um, it's it's I've never been a very public person. I've always been behind the scenes. Mm. It's just the kind of the epitome of many women mm. where we're very happy to do our work and help the women around us. But actually standing up and taking a um, a bigger step mm. um, is not something we can all do. And um, yeah, 
but I can see the passion and the emotion that you're you're showing for this topic. It's I, I love it. It's it's a real depth of heart to to this, and um, it, it's just amazing because I think here is it's demonstrating a um, a style of leadership that maybe isn't portrayed on the television. That's one that's in the shadows. Maybe it's one that's in in someone's ear all the time, just rising mm -hmm. in every interaction. I call it heart print. I, I think oh, our heart print is the every interaction that we have with our mm -hmm. human beings around us, whether that be positive or negative. And mm -hmm. and thank you for the heart print that you've you've been creating. It's uh, I, I'm sure there are uh, communities that are infinitely better through your leadership. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you, Debbie. What does the phrase always better than yesterday inspire in you? Uh, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we get the chance to renew again. You know, what's past is past. We, we can learn from it, but uh, to create again and, um, and to try is, um, yeah, it's something that I'm really passionate about. I'm all about uh, putting stuff out there and seeing if it works. And if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll learn from it and we'll try again, you know? Um, so, yeah. Powerful. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people connect with you? Thank you. Um, I do have a website. It's, it's simply my name.com. <laughs> so janefinette.com. And you can kind of find everything from there. There's a link to the coaching fellowship, links to my book. Um, if, if people want to connect on LinkedIn, I'm always open and uh, just let me know where you, where you heard me from so I can, uh, I, I can respond. Um, but uh, thank you again, Ryan, for giving me a great opportunity to share more and yep. share more about what I'm, I'm really passionate about. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your voice. Thank you for having the courage to bring your heart into the world. And we'd be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self. Oh, well, I, it is my greatest wish. And this is not just for women. It really is for everyone that, that we have the power and the wisdom. We have everything that we have inside us to make mm. this world a much more beautiful, safer, equitable one for everyone. And, uh, um, and with that, just to get, yeah, go do something today. Right. Go take some action. <laughs> yep. True story. Jane, thank you so much. Thank you, Dilly, Ryan. Thank you.